The Slaughter of Nox at Sea from The Book of Pity and of Death by Pierre Lotti Translated by Thomas Power O'Connor This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Slaughter of an Ox at Sea We were in the midst of the Indian Ocean on a sad evening, in which the wind is beginning to groan. Two poor oxen remained to us of the twelfth that we had taken in at Singapore to eat on the way. These had been spared because the voyage was being prolonged owing to the contrary winds of the monsoon. Two poor oxen, wasted, thin, pitiable, their hides already shabby and worn through by the bones shaken by the rocking of the vessel. For many days they had sailed over this miserable sea, their backs turned to their old pasture-lands far away, where nobody would ever take them again, fastened tightly to each other by a rope round their horns, and their heads lowered with resignation each time that a wave came to inundate their bodies with the new chilling bath. With mournful eyes they chewed together some bad hay, wet with the salt of the sea, animals condemned to death, doomed from the beginning and without hope of mercy, but destined to suffer still for a long time before death, to suffer from the cold, the shock of the vessel, from the constant wetting, from the numbness, and from fear. The evening of which I speak was especially somber. At sea there are many such evenings when ugly and livid fogs spread themselves over the horizon, as the light is fading, when the wind begins to swell its voice and the night announces beforehand that it is going to be unsafe. At such hours, feeling oneself isolated in the midst of these infinite waters, one is seized with a vague anguish which the twilight never brings on land, even in the most funereal places. And these two poor oxen, children of the meadow and the pasture, alone, more completely exiles than we men, in these moving deserts, and unbuoyed by hope as we are, must, in spite of their rudimentary intelligence, suffer, after their fashion, from the depression of such scenes, although they see only confusedly the image of their approaching death. Yet, with the slowness of the invalided, their large and dim eyes remained fixed on these sinister distances in the sea. One by one their companions had been slaughtered on these planks beside them. For two weeks then they had lived together, drawn toward each other by the solitude, 
supporting each other in the rocking of the vessel and in their friendship, rubbing their horns together. And now, the person who is charged with the supply of provisions, him whom on board vessels we call the maître commis, came toward me on the bridge to tell me, in the usual phrase, Captain, the cow is going to be killed. The devil take him, say I, this maître commis. I receive him very badly, although, assuredly, he was not to blame. But in truth, I had no luck from the beginning of this voyage. It was always during my watch that the time came for the slaughter of the oxen. Besides, it takes place immediately below the bridge on which we walk, and it is useless to turn away one's eyes, to think of other things, to look abroad on the waters. You cannot avoid hearing the stroke of the axe between the horns and in the center of the poor forehead, bound very low to a ring on the deck. And then comes the noise of the animal as he falls down on the deck with a rattling of his bones. Soon after, he is quickly cut to pieces. A horrible and musty smell comes from his entrails when they are opened, and all around the deck of the vessel, ordinarily so clean, is soiled by blood and unclean things. And now it was the moment to slaughter the ox. Some sailors formed a circle around the ring by which it was to be tied for execution. And of the two that remain, they take the more infirm, one who was already dying and who allowed itself to be carried away without resistance. Then the other turned slowly its head to follow it with melancholy eyes, and seeing that they brought it toward the same fatal spot where all its brothers had fallen, it understood. A ray of light could be seen in the poor depressed forehead of this chewing animal, and it uttered a low sound of distress. The cry of that ox was one of the saddest sounds that ever made me groan, and at the same time was one of the most mysterious things that I had ever heard. There was in it a dim reproach against all men, and then a kind of resignation that was deeply moving, something so restrained and subdued as though it felt how useless was its groan of despair, and that its cry would be heard by nobody. With the consciousness of its universal abandonment, it appeared to say, Ah, yes, the inevitable hour has come for him who was my last brother, who came with me from Laba, from the country where we ran on the grass, and my turn will come soon, 
and not another being in the world will have pity on me any more than on him. Ah, yes, I did have pity on him. I experienced it, a sense of pity, indeed, that was almost quixotic, and an impulse came upon me to go and take hold of his head, and feeble and revolting though it was to support it on my breast, since that is one of the physical methods most natural to us, when we wish to soothe with the sense of protection those who suffer or are about to die. But in fact, he did not receive any help from anybody, for even I, who had felt the supreme distress of its cry, remained stiff and impassive in my place, merely turning away my eyes. Because an animal is in despair, one cannot change the direction of a ship and prevent three hundred men from eating their rations of fresh meat. A man who should even think of such a thing for a minute would pass for a lunatic. Nevertheless, a little cabin boy, who perhaps also was alone in the world and had never found any pity, had heard the appeal, and so understood it in the depths of his soul, as I had. He approached the ox quite gently, and softly and gently began to rub its nose. If he had only thought, he might have been able to predict to him thus, All these will die also, these who are going to eat you tomorrow, all even the strongest and the youngest, and perhaps the terrible hour will be still more cruel for them than for you, with suffering more prolonged. Perhaps then they would prefer the stroke of the axe right in the midst of their foreheads. The animal returned to him his caress, looking at him, with affectionate eyes, and licking his hands. But it was all over. The ray of light, which had penetrated his low and narrow forehead, went out in the sinister immensity in which the ship carried him, always faster, in the cold fog, in the twilight announcing the bad night by the body of his companion, who was now nothing but a shapeless mass of meat, hung on hooks, he began once more to shoo quietly. Did this poor ox? His brief intelligence did not go further. He thought of nothing. He no longer remembered anything. End of The Slaughter of an Ox at Sea by Pierre Lotti Read by Herman Hoskans